Welcome back, everybody, to the Rafino and Joe show. Today, we've got a special guest. We haven't done a guest in a while. And, of course, we've got a fantastic college football analyst with CBS Sports, Barrett Salee, Sirius XM as well. Barrett, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to hop on with us. A lot of craziness is going on right now with college football, <laughs> the Dylan Riola news, everything in a, you know, a Monday in December could not be any crazier. Uh, Blake, before we start, you had something funny that you wanted to bring up, though, that that you spotted on Facebook. Yeah, so, you know, just scrolling down Facebook, Barrett, I'm married, you're married. I got to ask you one question. I saw a picture, <laughs> all right, that you posted. One mile to go, your wife needed gas oh, in her God. car. Did you make it? <laughs> Everybody in college football wants to know, did you make it to the gas station? Yes I, or no? I made it. I'm, I'm not necessarily <laughs> sure if I was on fumes or not, but our neighborhood is kind of hilly, and so I guess the gas tank is oh. – in the front, the, the the injection is in the front because every time I went up a hill, it oh. was like, uh, doo, doo, doo. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So, uh, yeah, I, and I, I got gas. I did not get stranded on the road. And as a result of skipping carpool to go get said gas, my 12 year old is now was now furious with me because I made him sit at school for an extra 20 minutes. And I was like, dude, blame mom. Like, it's not my fault. Blame mom. I'm not the one who doesn't fill up fill up gas until it's on E. As someone who, you know, the married life, this is also having me. The good thing about Louisiana, though, it's flat. You That's know? true. And so, I mean, at least it's going to be flat ground, not like – we don't have any hills. Maybe a little deep bayou, but that's that's. But I just had it. I saw it on Facebook today. It's like I kind of asked him right out the top. You know what? The response I've gotten, like apparently that's everybody's wife. Oh, dude. Like, I'm not. I didn't know that. I was like, in, I, I thought I was in like an exclusive club where it was like me and a few other dudes. Apparently, it's everybody. So you know, I'm glad we can all openly talk about this because well, I'm my, my, my famous one is the the four flat tires when winter starts. You know? Oh like, yeah. Game of Thrones, oh winter is coming, you know, and then the tires go down. So, <laughs> God, it, it starts beeping you know. at you, and you're like, "Oh God, what I do?" And then you see all these <laughs> flashing lights. It's like, "Oh, okay, got it." Uh, well, definitely well, to ask you about that, though. Yeah, but Blake said that to me earlier, and I was laughing my ass off, and I was like, <laughs> "Blake, Blake, we have to, we have to bring this up." I was also we both kind of stalked your your social, uh, just to see if there's anything fun that you posted recently, and. Uh, yesterday, I saw you posting your frustration being a Falcons fan. One of my close God. friends, my college roommates, also a Falcons fan. And I got to ask, as we're kind of transitioning to the NFL draft, there's a big-name quarterback prospect that just declared that uh, played for the school that that Blake covers. I'm just kind of curious. It seems like they're making that transition, that they're going to be drafting a new quarterback. They're moving on from Desmond Ritter. If you had your pick amongst this year's crop, who who would you want to be the the Falcons' next quarterback? I, I mean, it's Caleb Williams just because, I mean, if, if the Falcons aren't going to block, it'd be nice to have Caleb back there. And I think he's a little bit better of a thrower. I mean, just because, I mean, look, nothing against Jaden Daniels. I mean, Jaden Daniels is phenomenal. Um, but, you know, Caleb Williams is too. And, you know, I just rather have, I'd rather have anybody than Desmond Ritter at this point. I mean, us, one of us three could take the snaps and I'd be much more confident. <laughs> but uh, to be on, like, honestly, if it's Jaden Daniels, if it's Caleb Williams, I think either one of those two would be fine. I would be all for Carson Beck. I know he announced he's coming back to Georgia, but there's still time to convince him. Maybe that was a bad idea um, because I, I like him an awful lot too, but maybe another year in the system would help him. But uh, yeah, honestly, at this point, as a Falcons fan, uh, anybody but Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke for that matter. Mm. And like I put on Twitter, I mean, I really hate myself for being a Falcons fan. I'm mean, 43 years old and I've been dealing with this for 43 years of my life and it sucks. Mm. Well, you know, I, I text, I, Jaden announced today, so I'll just say it. So I was talking to his dad 
Barrett, and I was like, if he goes to Atlanta, I'm going to throw up. As a, <laughs> as a Saints fan. <laughs> I'm going to vomit. So, yes. And look, Caleb. Well, I hope that happens. Not, not that I don't like you. I just hope that happens. <laughs> I, but, see, that's what the Saints does. You know, you got linebackers yeah. that went to, to the Falcons, Tampa. I, I, I can't deal with it anymore. But, you know, look, I don't really. So, let me ask just a college football generated question off of that. A lot of people thought that Caleb had a. I don't want to say a down year, Baird, but just like, oh, well, they're not winning. I thought he did a lot of great work this year. Am I crazy in thinking that he had another really good year? It was really solid. I mean, this felt like the pieces around him weren't as good. No, they, they were not good. Lincoln Riley neglected him by not getting any offensive uh, linemen to help out the running game. You know, Marshawn Lloyd was okay. But I, I think for for Lincoln Riley, for Caleb Williams, I mean, look, think of what Jaden Daniels had to deal with. He had to go win a game every single every single week. Well, Caleb Williams had to do it for two straight years. Like right. at some point, you just mm-hmm. got to throw your hands up as an individual and be like, y'all, like help me out for the love of God, help me out. And his defense didn't do it. So I think because of that, he he probably took a too, uh, took too many risks. Which okay, you know, NFL guys aren't going to like that too much. But if you have been doing it for a year and a half, and you finally throw your hands up in the air and give up and just start slinging it all over the place. I mean, can you blame him? So, I mean, yeah, it's Caleb will be fine. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, a thing with attitude or, or whatever. I just think that, you know, once the season started to spiral downhill, you know, it, it just kind of built upon itself. The frustrations just kept piling up on on its, on themselves. And he just kind of threw his hands up in the air and it's like, I'm, okay, I'm just going to let it rip. And if things go wrong, things go wrong. And that's kind of what happened. Speaking of this this turmoil that's going on a little bit with uh, with USC, and you're kind of talking about how he had a lack of help, and it seems like a lot of these guys from USC are hopping in the portal right now. I, I kind of would have expected to see some of these defensive players with the coaching staff turnover on the defensive side of the ball to enter the portal, but man, like Mario Williams, Relik Brown, and then yesterday we're finding out the quarterback of their future um, with Malachi Nelson is hopping in the portal. I, I feel like and I know that Georgia was dealing with something similar where they had a lot of guys hop in Texas A&M kind of something similar. I feel like this, this seems a little different for Lincoln Riley to lose a guy that was supposed to be the future of your program. I'm just curious your thoughts on, on that situation. And if you think that the panic button should be, you know, should be getting pressed right now. Yeah, I think there should be concern um, because, and look, I've been critical of Lincoln Riley for a long time. He's a, he's a, a very stubborn coach. He will not, you know, deviate from his plan. And his plan is to get all skill players on both sides of the ball, all skill players. And if that's not going to work and it doesn't work, uh, at least at a national championship level, um, you know, a lot of those players are going to look elsewhere. And I think that's exactly what's happened. Um, you know, some of these players are, you know, yeah, they're great. You know, you're, you're getting your stats, you're padding your stats, but nobody seems to care. And, and NFL scouts don't really care either. Cause it's part of the system, right? Like you're sort of getting branded. If you're a wide receiver, running back quarterback doesn't matter. So yeah, I think there's some concern and, you know, there's always a conspiracy theorist in me too, that just says, Hey, you know what? The checks aren't cashing. Um, you know, that that's kind of what we've inferred at, at Texas A&M as well, that the collective is just not necessarily following through on some promises that it made. So I think there's that aspect of it too. And if I want to go deep conspiracy theorist, which I am totally fine doing because it's fun and sports are supposed to be fun. Last time I checked, maybe Lincoln's looking for an NFL job. So, you know, I think all those things combined, but it's concerning for, for USC specifically because you're going into the Big Ten, you're kind of trying to figure out your identity and you got a bunch of players leaving and it's unlikely you're going to get a lot of the players out of the portal, at least the same caliber of players out of the portal as they had the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, if I'm a USC fan, I'd be very concerned. 
Well, and you know the Chargers job just opening up too, I, I think is in, very interesting to me. Don't got to go far. Don't even have to sell no. your house. Right. right. And, and look, I'm not I'm not saying that he's leaving USC Bear, but it, there comes a point where Malachi Nelson, I mean, like you're letting dudes walk out the door. You had another five-star corner walk out the door today. Like I yeah. get that you got the UCLA DC. They were number one in rush defense for a lot of chunks of the part of the season. They played really good defensively, but you can't let look. I, I'm not saying stars always matter, especially when you had guys like Justin Jefferson at LSU with you know his jersey hanging sure. right here in the studio. Stars normally matter. That's why Georgia keeps dominating everybody. Bama keeps. You can't let those guys walk out the door when you've been that bad. But. Another offensive coach, too, that's making a lot of waves here the last 48 to 72 hours is, is Lane Kiffin. Um, <laughs> what are you thinking about old Lane when Pete Golding, hashtag Portal Pete, as they've been calling him? What do you think's going on at Ole Miss? Is this sustainable? Like, what's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think it's A, sustainable because Lane's sort of ingrained this culture. But B, I also think it's it's a little more exaggerated this year than maybe it will be in, in, in future years because – Lane has known his opponents, right? We figured out, we found out last week, you know, the order and whatever, but Ole Miss has known who it's playing in 2024 for what, three, four months now, right? So right. Lane, I think, has looked at that. And I think this will happen with a lot of coaches moving forward. He's looked at that and said, okay, that's that's pretty ma manageable. That's a reasonable schedule. And making a 12-team playoff is, is very, very possible, if not likely, knowing that it expands as 12 and you have – you know, basically stay uh, the, the program at a point where it's kind of at that point now anyway, right? They're going to finish what mm -hmm. top 10, top 12, whatever. Um, even if they lose to Penn state. So if you're, if you're Lane Kiffin or if you're any coach that is in a similar situation, don't you just throw all your chips in the table? Because at this point, like college football now is so is such a one year sport in, in every aspect, right? Because your roster has changed completely. Every player's a free agent, all this other stuff's going on. So if, you know, the days of trying to, build and sustain success like Alabama did and really like Georgia did the previous two seasons is is not not re it's not realistic especially for a team like Ole Miss that's really good really a, a solid program a mid to upper tier SEC program but it's not a juggernaut and it never will be a juggernaut so go all in because if you win a national championship as a coach that puts you in a completely different stratosphere for pay, for hiring prowess, for anything. And then B, for a player, look at the exposure that gets you. And then it can build upon itself in the portal the next season. So I think that's what's going on. I think Lane looked at his, his opponents before the whole actual schedule came out and said, oh, th that's who I got to play? Let's go all in. Let's try to make a playoff next year and not just be a team like I think it would have been this year that can get in but probably can't win. You start amassing all these dudes – you can be a team that can actually win it, especially if you're taking them from teams that otherwise would want those players. Well, you know, it's it's funny, just really quickly, like Trey Harris coming back. By the way, the, the quarterback in high school for Malik Neighbors, his name was Trey Harris. Heard about right? him. <laughs> and, and, and so it's just like, I look, Orgeron, it, the whole regime, whatever, I begged him to take Trey Harris. They called me crazy. But those guys even coming back. Barrett, let me ask you just this very quickly. I said last night on our show, it felt like a, a a diet version of what Florida State did a year ago, adding a lot of pieces, but a lot of guys coming back. Yeah, I guess when when I say that, do you buy into that, or is that a, am I a little bit far fetched there 
and a Florida State comparison. No, I 100% buy that. And but I picked Florida State to go to the playoff before the season. And it was exactly for that reason, that there are players coming back for unfinished business. And I said, that compares to Georgia in 2021, when you had a bunch of those dudes come back. Uh, Jordan Davis, uh, in particular, because of, and on, on Twitter, hashtag unfinished business. That absolutely does matter. Because if you inject, you know, that kind of attitude that, hey, we're all together, we're one, we got to finish this thing off strong with significantly better players at very important positions. You're sitting pretty. Now, with Florida State, look, I mean, they were they were 13 and 0, right? Like it worked. Right. <laughs> Every, everything worked the way it was supposed to work. In my opinion, they got screwed out of a playoff spot, but either whether you believe that or not, they still went 13 and 0. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to that. There's validity to that. If Jackson Dart comes back, and obviously he says he is, we'll see if, if that decision actually gets followed through upon. But yeah, um, that that combination is, I think, in this day and age, when you see those two things together in an off season, alarm bells have to start going off. Like, uh oh, that's like that red bell that that rolls around. Like, alert, alert, alert! This is a team that can actually contend. Right, I agree. You mentioned the the scheduling and how this this kind of plays into this uh, injected energy into this Ole Miss program. I was listening to your colleague Josh Pate talk about this a little bit, how with the new expanded playoff, the criteria to make it feels like it's going to be completely different. And part yes. of what he was talking about is that we could have a world where with this new difficult, very challenging scheduling for all of these SEC teams that we could see maybe five SEC teams make the playoff I'm just would like to hear how what you think about that do you think that in this first year with all these good teams that are fueling up we got LSU uh, outside of the the typical ones we'd expect with Georgia and Alabama we got LSU with a great roster Old Miss is doing what they're doing Mizzou looks really good Auburn could be sneaky good do you think that that five is, is plausible well, when the expansion was announced, I said I said no, that four would be the max. But now that we've got you know expanded Big Tens, uh, a big expanded Big Ten and expanded SEC, then yeah, I think you could be in a situation where every at large spot is gobbled up by you know either an SEC or a Big Ten school. So yeah, I mean I could see five. I, I would say four is much more likely than five, and that three is probably where you're going to sit, just especially for this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would not surprise me at all if at some point we get to four or five consistently. Again, it's going to be kind of a battle with the Big Ten, which Big Ten middle tier teams are better than the SEC and vice versa. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to evolve more into that spot, which honestly, it, it's kind of that now. I mean, it's just the Big Ten and the SEC have ruled college football for a long time. It's just going to continue that way. I am interested, though, next season with the Pac-2 happening with Washington State and Oregon State, especially with Oregon State. I know they lost Jonathan Smith, but that's a really good team. The possibility right. of Oregon State potentially going undefeated or a one-loss team could put them in a position to make the playoff. And I think it's one of those kind of unintended consequences of all this reshuffling that maybe maybe they could could get in. I, I think that's a that's an element that we'll discuss later on. But um, yeah, I think it, moving to get back to your question, the yeah. SEC, the Big Ten, they're going to gobble up a lot of the spots. I don't think five is going to happen a lot. It's certainly possible, but I do think four is is going to be almost a certainty. Now, Barrett, correct me if I'm wrong here. If they reshuffle the way that the playoff is from the standards of getting in and it being a power four, Oregon State could be the 12 team that that gets in because they're not going to be part of the power five. Uh, sure. If it changes to a seven five model, for sure. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I made a joke and Joe's going to kill me for saying this. So just bear oh, with me. Could you have imagined 
Liberty and Georgia facing off in a playoff <laughs> scenario this year. It would have been. It would have been. A, <laughs> come on, bro. Like I, I don't know if I want to see that part. Like I, I don't like. Well, look, I am a. I am a minimalist. I. I am anti-expansion. I've given up that argument. Like I've. I, I've. I'm like in, in court. I've conceded like a political rally. I've conceded victory. I'm wrong. I know I'm not going to be uh, be viewed as the on the right side of history by the popula- general population, but I am right. And right. no, I don't want to see Georgia and Liberty. Um, and like honestly, with the expanded playoff, you're going to see the same four teams, five teams right. anyway. The yeah. only way it changes, and the only way that doesn't happen, is if you get like a snow game outdoors, and mm. just uh, it's not a true reflection of of what a team actually is. Um, you know, that's that's the only thing I think that can change what we've already seen is that the, the powers are the powers and there's there's not going to change anytime soon that's actually crazy to think about that it's something that i don't think anyone's even brought up with this there's a th- realistic world that in the snow michigan could play florida state in yeah. december i can't yeah. even think of the last time that florida state or a southern school like that has been asked yeah. to play in snow that, I, what would happen like boise state hosts a, an at-large team like i don't know florida state or whoever in florida in Boise in the snow. I mean, oh my God. it's Boise State could like that's that even if Florida State's a great team or for whatever in the snow, if it, in a snow game, <laughs> all bets are off. Bear, I'm from the you're from the south. I you know, I'm from the south. I ain't seen snow in like seven years. All right. I don't I've know seen school canceled for the threat of snow. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I ice is uh, on the road, I think is the the proverbial email. Mm-hmm. One power in the SEC that Look, I know Florida fans don't like us right now, and I understand why. It, it, look, what's going on at Florida? I, I, I covered Billy a lot, a lot when he was at ULL, Louisiana, mm-hmm. whatever they're calling themselves. But it's just not translating. Bear, what are your thoughts on on Florida? Can Billy right this ship? I, I don't think so, and and I hate it because I like Billy. I, um, I think that it's a. It's a situation now where maybe he wasn't, I wouldn't say ready for the SEC. I don't think he was ready for the SEC with all of these changes happening at one time. You right. know, that's a, it's a little different than five years ago. You throw him in there, nothing really changes. It's the same old SEC. It's fine. But now you have all the collective stuff happening at the same time. You have the transfer portal being instilled at the same time. Like he's dealing with a lot of stuff that at the wrong time. So, um, you know, that combined with the schedule. Yeah, I think it makes it hard. Um, and I think one thing that has changed is, is this time, what, eight months ago, Florida had a phenomenal high school recruiting class, right? Coming right. In, in, committed for this year. And slowly but surely, that's kind of gone away. You know, they get lagway still, but that's not, it's not where it should have been. It's not where it could have been. It's not where it, where I think Gator fans wanted it. So if you, if you combine a recruiting class that was nowhere close to what you thought it'd be with the fact that there are a lot of things happening in terms like Trevor Tien leaving two great defensive linemen leaving. Like that's not supposed to happen to a championship caliber program. So uh, that, that to me, I mean, I think, I think Billy Napier will be fired the week before the cocktail party next year. And I know folks were like, look at the five games at the end of the season. No, 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 no. Let's look at the seven before those five. Because mm-hmm. there's a Miami, there's a UCF. I mean, it's just it's it's unfair to Billy. And at, I think at this point, like he's kind of swimming, um, swimming upstream, trying to figure out how to manage in this day and mm-hmm. age of college athletics in the SEC. And it just all came at him way too quickly. Barry, you know what the bad thing too is that never happened to Billy at UL was 
the simple nature, like they have two dudes on special teams with the same number. Yeah. Like that never happened. Okay. Yeah. Like you have that happening twice in a season. I, I, I will forgive Utah. I can't forgive it against Tennessee. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it just comes to a point where, like, not only are you losing talent, but it doesn't seem like you're disciplined enough um, as well. So I, I don't know. Your thoughts on the playoff, Alabama and, and Michigan and Texas and Washington? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think for for Texas and Washington, I, I'm not. I, I know Michael Penix had a great season. I know he's a leading passer for the second straight season, but he was up and down at the end of the season a little bit. They put too much on his shoulders. He at times, um, and you know, Washington State game is a perfect example. Sometimes things didn't work out the right way, and I, I know that he played some good defense. Oregon's a very good defense, and he lit him up twice. And I get that. Texas, I think, is a whole different animal especially up front on the line of scrimmage. I think that Texas is going to do some damage to him for some mistakes. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, so I think Texas gets the job done there. And then Alabama, to me, I think they win by double digits. To me, I just think when you look at Alabama right now, they have a month to get Jalen Milrow truly installed in this offense. Because remember, like this, they had, they had no shot. They adjusted on the fly and figured it out with Jalen Milrow. Now you have a month to prepare to get it right to hit the reset button. That is the last thing you want if you want to play Alabama is time, especially when they have an upside that hasn't been realized yet. So, uh, yeah, I think Alabama beats Michigan by double digits. I think they forced J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy hasn't been good lately. He was not good down the stretch. Uh, you know, you, you put him in a situation where he has to throw to win. He's never he's never been in that situation. Well, I guess he was in the Fiesta Bowl last year, and he didn't win. Um, so right. you, know, you put him in that situation. I think he's going to struggle. So I think Bam and Texas a rematch in Houston. Joe Joe's shaking in his boots. He's a big Washington guy. Uh, okay. I look. Well, I was on board <laughs> midseason. I was. I was on board. I I mean, yeah, it's a it's a difficult circumstance because I I get both sides of the argument because they're they're gamers. You know, they only show yeah. up for the biggest games of the year, and I I feel like what why Blake has been a, he's been a big hater, not just <laughs> d- a doubter. He's been a big hater of Washington, but um, I think that there is a possibility that maybe that they can show up and they've got the type of talent to go up against Texas. But I mean, regardless, I think that this might be one of the more balanced playoffs that we've seen. Yes, out of all four of these teams. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean, the last year of the four-team playoff, to have sort of the doomsday scenario play out uh, for the committee, I think mm. is pretty funny and, uh, hilar- <laughs> and uh, hilarious, really. And as a result, we actually get two theoretically really good semifinal games, which historically we really haven't had many good semifinal games. The Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl, the Ohio State-Georgia semifinal here in Atlanta last year, you don't you don't get many of them. Yeah, and you know what's, you know what's crazy? If Alabama would have only beaten Stanford by three, we would have never heard the end of it. Just all right, that, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. I mean, and look, I hate. I, I mean, my former head coach is at Bama, so I mean, what am I going to talk about? You know. So, uh, Bear, thank you so much, man, for joining us. This has been fantastic. Thank you uh, so so much. I know everybody knows where they can find you, but just in case, where they can find all your stuff and everything you're doing. Yeah, guys, I really appreciate it. It's been fun, too. You can uh, follow on X at Barrett Salib, Instagram, Twitter, Spaces. What, <laughs> uh, what, other, what other ones are out? All of them at Barrett Salib. Right. Um, and then uh, listen on Sunday morning, Sirius XM, myself and Tom Luganville uh, pretending to act like professionals for three hours. <laughs> Lugs, man, you got, you got love. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, y'all.